Ilya Sorokin gives you an edge. That's another reason maybe in this playoff race, you, you might want to finish in the first wild card spot. What's going on with Bo Horvat? You know, maybe just watch one or two and then get back to me. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 158. 11 games left in the regular season as we speak, and the Islanders are in the midst of a playoff race for the two wildcard spots. And since the last time we spoke, we, uh, I, I believe the last time uh, we had seven, the Islanders were in a pack of seven teams uh, looking to get one of those two wild card spots. Things have defined themselves a little bit more since we spoke last. And really, right now, it, it, it seems to be a three-team race between the Islanders, the Penguins, and the hard-charging Florida Panthers for those two Eastern Conference wildcard spots. And we'll we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about Matthew Barzell and Bo Horvat and Pierre Ingvall. And I have some uh, audio and interview I did with Matt Martin, as well as an interview later on I did with Simon Holmstrom. And as always... We'll finish up with some of your questions for Andrew's answers. But like I said, let's start with this playoff race, which has really whittled itself down to the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins. And, you know, if you watch the Penguins play, you, you, you're kind of scratching your head how they, they're, they're still uh, in the midst of this. They've, uh, they've had some clunkers. They've, uh, they lost, uh, as we spoke about, they lost four games to the Islanders this season, uh, including three games where they had the lead and they couldn't hold it. Their goaltending, uh, seemingly, as always, has been suspect. And it, as you look at those three teams, the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins, one, one of the reasons I really, really like the Islanders' chances at this point is because the goaltending is... Of those three teams, the goaltending is far, far and away the best goaltending amongst those three teams. Ilya Sorokin, even with a couple of starts he wasn't crazy about during that California trip uh, against the Kings and the Ducks, he uh, split those two games and then finished up strong with a really good effort against the uh, Sharks. But Ilya Sorokin gives you an edge in net and... Um, also, the Islanders' schedule, uh, I know they've played more games than anyone, but that also means they're going to have a little bit more time off than everyone. And while these other teams are beating themselves up, the Islanders have actually had some time to practice. They got two practices in in California, which is, uh, that hasn't happened in one week in a while. And you got another practice in here uh, Monday, uh, as we speak, they're going to play the Maple Leafs on Tuesday. They got another practice in on Monday after coming back from California on Sunday. So the Islanders, I, I think I remember before, uh, let's see, way back, uh, uh, I had given the Islanders about a 45% chance of getting into the playoffs. But then I said, if you give me wins against, uh, what was it? Well, the Sabres came in, and then the Penguins came in, 
And then that right before the California trip, you, you had the Capitals. I said, if you give me wins in those three games, I'm going to bump the Islanders' playoff hopes up above 60%. Well, you got a, a win against the Buffalo Sabres, 3-2, and the Sabres seem to have uh, faded, certainly, from, from real contention. And then the Penguins, as we spoke about, you got a 4-3 overtime win as the Islanders come back in Pittsburgh. And then you had the clunker against the Capitals. Uh, five one, but a pretty decent California trip. The the, the Kings are good. Uh, we we don't see enough of the Kings here in the East Coast, but the Kings are a really tough opponent, and uh, that was a tough game for the Islanders. They lose five two. Um, rough second period there, and uh, and then they beat the teams they had to beat. You beat the uh, Anaheim Ducks, and you beat the San Jose Sharks, and. Uh, as you look down the stretch uh, of this playoff run, um, the Islanders are going to have to beat those teams that are, are far below them. They can't have any stumbles. Uh, you're talking about going to Columbus to face the Blue Jackets this week. And if memory serves, uh, the Blue Jackets, I believe, are last in the NHL. Uh, I think Chicago is a little bit ahead of them. Uh, but uh, you, you gotta win. You can't stumble in Columbus, no matter how hard the Blue Jackets can or might play. And the same deal in April. You got the the Flyers and then the Canadians in April. You have to have points in those two games as well. And the Canadians, that's uh, to finish out the season on April twelfth. Now, uh, before I had said those two games in DC might be crucial. Um, you can't lose those, but I don't think the Capitals are, are going to fight their way back into the playoff race. But still, now those are, are four points there right for the taking uh, against a team that might be playing out of strength at a certain point. So uh, those are the games that the Islanders, they can't afford any more stumbles. January sort of took that away from them. They've been playing, for the most part, pretty solid, decent hockey February and March, I know they've had their, you know, uh, really bad games where you go, oh, God, you know, uh, thinking about, you know, losing to the Canucks uh, at UBS 6-5. That was a bad one. Um, follow that with an overtime loss to the Canadians. And, and again, can't lose to the Canadians next time. And then uh, the Senators, who are fairly, they, they, they've been flirting with the playoff run. But you get a 3-2 loss in a shootout in Ottawa. You know, those were probably two points you really wanted. But since then, other than a 6-2 loss in Boston, and look, the Bruins are just a juggernaut at this point. And that's another reason maybe in this playoff race, you might want to finish in the first wild card spot, not the second but if you look at playoff matches, if in, you're, you know, in the wild card spot, you're probably either going to face the Bruins, the Hurricanes, or possibly the Devils. And you know, there's an outside chance uh, the, the the Rangers have been playing some really good hockey lately. If they uh, if they keep coming on, a, a, a real outside chance that the Rangers could finish first in the Metro. I I don't expect that to happen. I would think it's either the Hurricanes or the Devils. So you look at those three teams, Bruins, Hurricanes, Devils. What's the best matchup for uh, 
the Islanders, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit in Andrew's answers. But like I said, first, uh, the, the Maple Leafs come into town Tuesday, and the Maple Leafs are obviously, uh, they're, they're locked into either second or third place in the, East, in the Atlantic Division. They're going to play the Lightning in the first round, and the Maple Leafs have looked really, really solid uh, as of late. That's going to be a tough test. And um, I, I had a chance to talk to Matt Martin, who spent two years in Toronto, and uh, I, I talked to him. I know this is ancient history now, but I, I found it an interesting chat with Matt, just talking about what that experience did for him as he came back to the Islanders. Obviously, well, if you want to focus on my second year, it's challenging um, yeah. from the standpoint of uh, you know being out of lineup a lot and. Um, I think you learn, uh, I guess, a lot about yourself and, uh, you know, that you can, uh, I guess, you know, kind of persevere, overcome, yeah. you know, be resilient. Because, um, I, I don't know, I think I saw you scratch 30 straight games or something. So, um, you know, but, you know, in saying that, it was still a great experience. And, I mean, uh, one of my closest friends is Mitchie, uh, who I met there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the other guys on the team are no, no longer there. But, uh, that, you know, you make friendships with, lifelong friendships. But from a professional standpoint, yeah, I think you, uh, you know, in some ways it was character building. Uh, and, you know, at the time was uh, frustrating and challenging, but uh, you know, when you come out the other side of it, uh, you know, I think I, I'm proud of the way I handled it. And, um, you know, ultimately, have been pretty successful since. So, um, you know, you take the good with the bad and uh, move on. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think it helped when you came back to the Islanders, having gone through that? Oh, well, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, valuable just uh, as a life, I guess, a life lesson in a way, you know. Um, sometimes it doesn't go your way, and, and um, but I still obviously believed in myself and believed I can still contribute at this level, and um very thankful for the uh, obviously the opportunity to come back here and um, you know, try to make the most of it since I've been back and uh, yeah, that, that that seems like a distant memory now. Uh, I don't know how many plays that six years ago, five six years ago. So uh, yeah, very very challenging in the moment, but uh, you know I think like I said I think uh, to become better and more strong-willed, I guess, coming out the other side of it. When you, when you, you know, when you come up, no one ever thinks you're going to get traded or, yeah. right, you know, you get attached to your first team. But did you always want to play for one team or did you want, like, different experiences? I only ask that because, like, I always thought players would want to play with one team and then I, I had a long chat with Tom Seaver once about him going to the Reds and then the White Sox and he said he never just wanted to stay with the Mets, you know, he he wanted to get as many experiences in life as possible. Uh, yeah, I think if you went around the locker room you'd probably get a lot of different answers on that one. Um, for me, it, it's really not something I put a whole lot of thought into um, I think I thought I was gonna um, at the time be here um, you know for 
I think you always think you're going to be with the team you're with forever, and then, uh, you know, obviously things things change pretty quickly in this business. So I think for me, I just try to, you know, take it one day at a time. Obviously, I love being here. I love being part of this organization, and you know, I've made Long Island my home. So, um, you know, the opportunity presents itself. This is where I want to be, but... Um, at the same time, it is a business, and you know you can't get too attached to, to any one thing at any time because um, you know they have a job to do, and, and we have a job to do. And at the end of the day, like I said, it's a business, so you got to be able to move on, adapt, and you know I guess uh, you know in some situations it can be heartbreaking and disappointing, but um, you know you got to want to take part in, in this business, you gotta, you got to learn to uh, deal with those kind of things. Because of Sydney, you know, the life you built here, did Long Island still feel like home even after you signed the Toronto? Yeah, uh, we, bought, we bought a house here after I signed in Toronto, so I, I didn't own a house here until I signed in Toronto, but um, yeah, you know, with uh, the amount of time that I spent here, and um, obviously Sydney being from here, yeah. well, um, no, I've always loved it, and loved the community, loved being here, um, and especially, you know, especially in the summertime, it's just one of the best places I think in the, in the world to be with the beaches, and the golf, and restaurants, and everything else going on. So, um, you know, I've really grown to to love it and enjoy it. Another former Toronto Maple Leaf is Pierre Engvall, and uh, he's uh, suddenly fitting in really well since being acquired from the Maple Leafs. Uh, back on February 28th for a third-round pick in 24. Pierre has played up and down the Islanders' lineup, but he's finally seems to have found a home uh, skating on Brock Nelson's left wing along with Kyle Palmieri. That, that line was absolutely on fire against the Ducks, uh, combining for four goals and four assists. And Pierre Engvall followed that up with an assist in San Jose, and he now has a four-game point streak. And if I'm remembering correctly, I believe his career high for uh, for a point streak is six games. So uh, Pierre Engvall looks like he's been a pretty decent pickup by Lou Lamarillo to, to kind of fill out that lineup, especially... Uh, given that Matthew Barzell has been hurt and Barzell missing, I believe, his uh, 13th straight game uh, against the Maple Leafs. And uh, he's been out since February 18th. So uh, that, that, that's a long time where the Islanders have not had, uh, you know, Barzy's skating and, and playmaking ability. But, you know, and no one expects Pierre Ingvall to be Matthew Barzell. But he, he is... Once he, uh, you know, he was, they talked about the speed, and by they, I talked about Lou Lamorello and Lane Lambert, they talked about the speed he would bring, and you didn't quite see it in the first two, three games he was with the Islanders, but now he's getting up in transition really, really well, he's he's pretty good along the walls, and uh, he's got this long stick. Like I said, you know, he's not a superstar. He's not going to be a superstar, but he's he's a pretty good component uh, for for the Islanders going ahead. And Lambert uh, had real has had real troubles settling on lines without Matthew Barzell there. And uh, like I said, P- 
Pierre Engvall. He he played with Bo Horvat. He uh, he he wound up on on the fourth line. He was uh, he was on the third line for a while, and now uh, really with Brock Nelson, he the the three of them seem to have uh, really clicked pretty quickly. So uh, that 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 that's a a good check there for the Islanders. But on on the flip side. What's going on with Bo Horvat? And uh, he's, as again, as we speak, that's one goal in 11 games uh, going into the Maple Leafs game and no goals in his last eight games and only one assist in the eight games. And, uh, you know, a bunch of us uh, reporters have talked to Bo in the group and individually about it and... Uh, uh, he's gone back and, and Lane Lambert too. Their, their, you know, their, their take is you'd be worried if the chances weren't coming. And, and it was, it's true. Bo Horvat took a, a game high five shots, uh, against the Sharks and he was active in the offensive zone, but those goals that were going in when he got here from Vancouver after that January 30th trade, He's just been a little bit snake bit lately, and uh, it's coming at a bad time because the Islanders do need to be playing their best hockey as as you head towards the playoffs, and Bo Horvat should be their best offensive player at, at this point. That's what you acquired him to be. You, you didn't know Matthew Barzell was going to get hurt, but... You acquired him to be the top line center, and you saw, you know, he still has a career high in points. Um, he's not, it's not squeezing the stick time or anything like that. And I did talk to him, uh, out on the road about sort of that constant, you know, rotation, uh, on his right wing. He's been solid with Anders Lee and Anders has had a couple of two goal games, uh, during Bo Horvat's goal drought there. Um, so the line is producing a little bit. Um, but it, it's been a, a rotating door uh, on, on right wing. They, they've, like, uh, Pierre Engvall has been tried there. Josh Bailey has been tried there. Uh, Simon Holmstrom has been tried there. And uh, Hudson Fashing has been tried there. And uh, uh, Simon Holmstrom had the last chance. And it looks like he'll be there again to start against the Maple Leafs. And, you know, I, I saw some comments online that, well, you know, what does, you know, Bo Horvat expect coming to the Islanders? He's not skating with uh, Pedersen anymore, right? But I, 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 some of it is the adjustment and, and, the, and, and maybe the lack of finishing on, on right wing. But uh, some of it is just Bo is taking shots that are hitting the goalie right now. And, you know, maybe all it's going to take is one of his shots bouncing off of something and going in and just opening that spigot a little bit. But uh, I, I do think once Bo scores, you know, uh, a goal here, there, there, might be, there might be that relief syndrome and he might score a couple of more uh, going forward from there. Because the Islanders... Uh, they need it, you know. Uh, obviously, Brock Nelson, uh, he's he's above 30 goals for a second straight season. That's the uh, first Islander with back-to-back 30-goal seasons since Anders Lee. Uh, what was that, 2016-17 and 17-18, if memory serves. Uh, 
You know, Kyle Palmieri has been playing really, really well of late. The, you know, Gigi Pajot has a shorthanded goal. It's good to see him sort of get back in the groove in the lineup. Uh, he's had a couple of goals since uh, returning from an injury. And then you got, you know, Cal Clutterbuck back from an injury. So you got the old band back together uh, on the fourth line. But that it's it's a really glaring hole on that right wing on the top line. And, and it's going to be a, probably a glaring hole if, until, if, when uh, Matthew Barzell is able to come back. But I, I did talk to Simon Holmstrom about this opportunity he's getting on that top line. It's a really good opportunity, of course. I mean, it's the, one of the top lines, and they play a lot of minutes. And I'm just... Uh, been there before and I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm just going to go out there and try to play my game and hopefully that will do. How do you, how have you seen your game? You know, you've had a pretty good run in the lineup. Yeah. You know, what what have you made of it? What have you liked? What what would you want to do better at this point? Uh, I mean, like I said, I've been kind of all over the place. I've been (laughs) running through all the lines and uh, I'm just, just trying to play as much as I can and do, do, do what I do best out there. And I think, yeah, that's just move my feet and control the puck and what you said there with need to get better is just I think just the offense offense stuff I mean that's I know it's I've been doing a pretty good job like 200 feet mm-hmm. but I think because uh, the offensive stuff is that's my my type of game and that's where I think I have my my biggest abilities and so I think that's that's the biggest part yeah. uh, of this going forward as well. But I'm just also gotta gotta do whatever it takes in the D zone as well. So just trying to mix it up. Is that the offensive part? You know, like you can put up numbers in the NHL. Yeah. Does that just speak to you know how tough this league is? Uh, of of course. I mean, it's a very tough league, and and people are putting up a lot of points as well. So I think yeah. you just gotta just gotta find the. The spots where to be at the right time and mm-hmm. where where you where you get the pucks in the best situations and try to try to learn that and I think it's uh, get a little better with that. How, how much also it is of confidence just to take your shot when it's there and you know not overthink yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's the biggest part. I think, like you said, confidence is probably like ninety percent when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You just gotta have the confidence for it. And mm-hmm. When you when you get going and when pucks starting to rolling for you, you just keep going. So mm-hmm. just just get a, getting that flow and the habit of shooting and making plays. I think yeah, that's one of the biggest things. What do you think? You, you, you talk about you know you're playing. You've played with pretty much everyone yeah. in, in the line. Yeah, exactly. What, what do you think that's done for you in terms of you know versatility and, and gaining coaches' trust? Yeah. You know all that type yeah. of stuff. I think it's just kind of shown as well that I can that I can play everywhere. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and also just to learn how to play with different players, and mm-hmm. you you take uh, small things from every players and try to put it in your own game. And I think yeah, that's what you get from like, the Sasikis line there with Clark just to hit and be physical in that, and then to to everyone else to sack and yeah. lazy go to the net, and just trying to take those small. Small things from everyone and uh, put it in your own game. And just lastly, how big an education is it 
being in a NHL playoff run. Yeah. You know, obviously last season the team, you know, last couple of months yeah. were, you know, not where you guys wanted no. to be. But, you know, being in this intense playoff yeah. race, what, is, what does that do? Oh, it's, uh, it's huge. I mean, the games are completely different. Uh, yeah. Never been in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. but I can I could imagine that it's kind of the same as it is right now. Just every game is so important, and mm-hmm. every point is so important. So you just try and get out there and do whatever it takes to win. Thank you to Simon for taking a few minutes, and also thank you to Matt Martin uh, for his answers earlier. And speaking of answers, we're now going to dip into the queue to see what you guys are wanting to talk about. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. We'll start with Matt, the professional contrarian or not, who asks, where is and uh, Ruslan Ishakov? Where is he on the depth chart now? I know, quote-unquote, patience is the culture, but will he see time next season? And, uh, you know, I cannot predict next season you would think he'll get a look in training camp based on the numbers he's putting up but again this is the question with him is is his size going to allow him to translate what he can do in the AHL to the NHL and uh right now obviously he hasn't gotten a chance to prove it one way or not I think he gets that chance in training camp but I I can't guarantee He's going to see time next season because I'll be honest, I, I don't know I don't know whether he's going to be able to translate here. I mean, he looks great at, at Bridgeport, uh, from all reports. And if he can do that at an NHL level, boy, the the Islanders really stole one there. But uh, you know, my sense is if the Islanders had a strong belief that he could do that at the NHL level, at least right now, he would have gotten a look already. And it seems like everyone in Bridgeport has gotten a look other than him. You know, Durando's been up. Uh, Simon Holmstrom's been up. Uh, Atu Ratu's been up before he was traded. Uh, William Dufour was up. Everyone seems to be getting a look. Andy Andrioff came up. I know that was more, you know, a different situation. Andy Andrioff being you know, a veteran journeyman, basically. Um, so it's a little different, but my point being Otto Koivula's gotten a look up here. Everyone seems to have gotten a look other than Ruslan. So I, I think he still has a few things to prove to the Islanders organization. And uh, let's see, Will Forthman says... With Sebastian Ajo down and Samuel Bolduck up, any chance we see Parker Wotherspoon, Dennis Chalowski, Grant Hunton, or Robin Sallow for a cup of coffee before the end of the season? And as background, Sebastian Ajo suffered a, an upper body injury uh, in San Jose. He, got, he took a very high hit from uh, Kevin LeBanc um, at the end of the first period, did not return. And Samuel Bolduck gets called up from Bridgeport and will get uh, basically Ajo's spot in the lineup for now. That's paired with Noah Dobson, and that will be quarterbacking the second power play unit. Um, so, and, you know, uh, Ajo is day-to-day. Uh, you, you don't want to speculate on what the injury is. All I can tell you was... Did look like a high hit, um, so we can go from there. 
and wonder. Um, but yeah, you know, look, uh, they brought up Samuel Bullduck to play over Parker Wotherspoon and uh, and Lane Lambert explained that as a power play uh, situational thing. Uh, basically, Bullduck plays on the power play and Parker Wotherspoon does not. Um, I think I don't think we're going to see Dennis Chalowski back uh, up. I, I think they've they they they've seen him. Um, look, I, I I've said on this podcast I like Grant Hutton. Uh, he seems to be a solid stay at home defenseman, but that that's I I don't think him or Robin Sallow at this point are coming up for a cup of coffee before the end of the season. Uh, you know, I think Bullduck is going to get every chance here to uh, to kind of stay in the lineup for a while. Donnie uh, Riordan says, has Lane Lambert mentioned any game plan changes made since around the All-Star break that has resulted in better results on the ice in what looks more like Barry Trotzian hockey, or is this team just finally doing a better job at executing Lane's game plan he had from the start of the year? And uh, uh, it's a good question. And no, he hasn't really mentioned any game change, uh, any game plan changes. But talking to people around the league, this is what they're seeing. And yeah, you make the correct point that the, it does look more like Barry Trotzian hockey, and that's because. The start of the season, Lane Lambert really wanted to be very aggressive, push the defenseman off, go heavy on the forecheck, and really, you know, maybe sacrifice a little bit of defense uh, to generate more offense. And that just didn't work, uh, you know. You and and it was like that through January. Um, the Islanders, I, I saw more odd man rushes going back the other way. Than, than I've seen in a long time uh, with the Islanders. Certainly, you know, when Barry Trotz was coaching, that was not uh, a common occurrence. Um, and what's happened is Lane has kind of tweaked his tweak, if that makes sense. He's pulled back on being so aggressive with the defenseman being up there and, you know, just uh, just looking to sacrifice defense. They've, they've gone back to a much better defensive structure and back to the idea that you can generate offensive offense off of your defensive structure. So he hasn't specifically mentioned that, but that's what other people around the league are seeing. And I mean, that's, that's what I'm seeing. And it seems like that's what you're seeing. So it was just a tweak to the tweak, basically. And, and Lane sort of pulled back from being uh, so aggressive with, with getting up the ice like that. Um, LI Futsal Academy says, would the NHL ever consider what the MLB used to do and have teams only play interdivision for the last month of the season? Uh, by the way, I'm all on board for that. I think, you know, you got to highlight divisional play as much as possible. Uh, LI Futsal Academy says, much rather see games like the Islanders uh, versus Pittsburgh, then Isles versus Kings this time of the year. Um, you're never going to be able to do that fully. There just aren't enough division games to go around uh, under this 
format with teams only playing each other, you know, uh, at maximum four times within the division. Because um, if you did that, then you would have an all, you know, Western Conference December or whatever it would be. Um, they want to sprinkle those divisional games throughout the season. But I did hear uh, Gary Bettman, I, I saw him quoted as saying uh, some of the stuff that happened this season, like the Rangers and the Islanders not playing after uh, after December, or the same with the Oilers and Flames, um, those kind of rivalries. Gary Bettman said that was something that needed to be addressed. So I, I expect that little thing to change, but they're never going to be able to go to an all interdivision last month of the season, unfortunately. Um, Matt says, how many points do you think locks up a playoff spot? 95? And uh, I think you're right in the ballpark. That's sort of a traditional number. Um, I, I think 94 gets you in this season. And uh, if you look at the Islanders as we speak, uh, through 71 games, they have 80 points, 11 games remaining. So you're talking about them going 7-4-0 and oh, down the stretch. I think that would get them in. Um, there are some tough games still. you got to go to Tampa. you got to go to Carolina. You face the Devils again. Uh, you got Toronto coming in. 7-4-0 is not a gimme, but I, I, I think 94 points will be, uh, will be good enough to get into the playoffs. Uh, Jack Anton. Uh, Pierre Ingvall and Hudson Fashing have shown they are valuable players for the Islanders. Do you see Lou Lamorello signing them to extensions before this summer? Um, you know, Hudson Fashing, I think, might be a better candidate for an extension before getting to free agency. Um, I, I think Pierre Ingvall, uh, you know, not having really talked to him about it, but... Uh, it wouldn't be bad for him to test the market and see, you know, what what the market bears for him. Um, that does not preclude him coming back to the Islanders. And, and frankly, yeah, I agree. I would like to have both players back. Um, you know, and also Hudson Fashing, uh, he's opened up some eyes around the league with this play this season. So his price tag, maybe, you know, his price tag has probably gone up from... Uh, from what he thought it would be if he got to uh, NHL unrestricted free agency. At the same time, I think Hudson's going to look at the Islanders, you know, as finally, you know, he bounced around with the uh, uh, the Coyotes and the Sabres, and I think he's going to look at the Islanders as a place where he finally gained that confidence, and there might be some value to him with staying within the system. Um, not saying Pierre Engvall doesn't want to play in the system, but um, I, I think he's going to, he, he might draw some interest on the market. The notorious MJT says, what's going to happen with Josh Bailey? Bar barring injury, is he a healthy scratch the rest of the way? Does this foretell an off-season buyout? Um, well, I think he's going to be a healthy scratch as long as the Islanders, uh, these four lines are able to, put up some offensive production like they did against the Ducks and the Sharks. But you know how it works. As soon as a team, 
you know, gets shut out or only scores one goal, then the coach starts to tinker. And uh, uh, I, I don't suspect he's going to be a healthy scratch every single game the rest of the season. But I, I do think his maybe his days of being just an automatic in the lineup are, are might be over at this point. And does that foretell an off-season buyout? Um I don't think you can discount the notion. Um, he, he's on the books for five million next season. It's only one season, and you know the Islanders would get a little bit of savings spreading that out. Um, and but if if the salary cap really only does go up one million, that might be money that Lou might want to earmark towards resigning a Pierre Engvall or a Hudson Fashing. Um, Payne says. Uh, well, there's a series of Matthew Barzell questions here. Uh, Payne says, do you think Barzell will return before the end of the season? Michael says, any Barzell updates starting to seem like there isn't time for him to start skating and play any more regular season games. Michael says, with sports gambling booming, when does the NHL require teams to be more forthcoming about injuries? How can anyone make a bet on or against the Islanders to make the playoffs or win a round if they have no idea if Barzell will play before the regular season ends? And Sirach Holmes says, I think I speak for most of the fan base when I say we just want a timeline for Barzell. I'm not saying we need the details of his injury, but we need some info so we know where to set expectations. And just uh, to set the picture, Matthew Barzell is out week to week with what we suspect is a knee injury. He has not resumed skating. Uh, That was as of Monday uh, when Lane Lambert was asked. And yes, it's it's getting late in the regular season for him to... uh, you know, for him not to be skating um, and, and think that he might be able to get in before the end of the season. Now, that there still is time. I, I think he would need to get on the ice probably within the next week, week and a half uh, in order for him to actually get into the lineup before the end of the season. Um, there's a little different. Cal Clutterbuck, who missed all that time, that was an upper body injury, and he was able to skate through the entire injury, so he sort of kept his hockey legs there. Not true for Matthew Barzell, who is not on the ice, so it's going to take him a little bit to ramp up. Um, now, the Islanders are hopeful, have said they are hopeful, of him coming back before the end of the regular season. Um, another week or so here, and I think you're going to have to start looking at, you know, maybe does he come back in the first round of the playoffs or not. Um but when you talk about sports gambling, this this is going to be an issue. There there is going to need to be more transparency, and you know, heaven help anyone who has to sit Lou Lamarillo down and tell him that he has to be a little more you know forthcoming on injuries. But gambling and sports gambling is big business, and, and I think the NHL eventually is going to sort of have to go to uh, the uh, the NFL model of now as far as the fan base wanting a timeline you're you're until the league mandates it you're just not he's out week to week and uh, uh, otherwise that that's the update um, let's see Thomas Boyle says 
This is the second time this has happened this season. The 7 p.m. start this Friday, um, and that is in Columbus, followed by a 5 p.m. start the next day, and that is against the Sabres at UBS. The last time this happened, the Bruins destroyed the Islanders. Why is this? Well, first of all, I will say the Bruins, I I, I don't know that the time of the day uh, really <laughs> was the determining factor in the Bruins destroying the Islanders. Uh, why is this? I, I, I'll be honest, I don't have the exact answer why Saturday is a 5 p.m. start. I think it's great. Um, these earlier starts on weekends, I, I think you get more kids out. Um, and it's it's a better marketing tool, um, you know, to sell to the next generation rather than these 7.30 starts. Especially on the weekend, I'd like to see some 1 p.m. starts, you know, but that being said, it's a 7 p.m. start on Friday uh, in Columbus just because, you know, that's a Friday night. That's that's when they're going to do their business there. Um, 22 hours between games is, you know, with a flight in there, even though it's a one-hour flight, it's not optimal, but I I, I don't think that's going to you know, totally destroy the Islanders' chances of beating the Sabres on Saturday. The one thing it does preclude, and as you saw Lane Lambert absolutely ride uh, Ilya Sorokin in in California, including back-to-back starts uh, in L.A. and Anaheim, and that was the first time Sorokin started back-to-back since December 22nd, 23rd, and that's when Semyon Varlamov was not available because injury. This time, Varley just backed up twice in a row. Uh, what the 7 p.m. start followed by a you know a game 22 hours later, that's going to preclude Lane Lambert from you know leaning on Varla uh, on on Sorokin in both ends of that that back to back. I'll be honest, I, I probably would expect to see. Varlamov starting Columbus on the uh, on the Friday, and then you have Sorokin uh, against the Sabers, who are a little more offensively powered. Although the Blue Jackets do have Johnny Gaudreau, um, but I would think it would go Varlamov Sorokin on Saturday, and we end up with our friend Stefan Rosner, who you know uh, from his writing and reporting, who asks simply, "Who is Bob Hope?" <laughs> Stefan, love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> and that was a big discussion. Uh, I was ribbing him for not knowing who Bob Hope was. He being, you know, 30 years younger than I am. And uh, he was ripping me for not knowing who Macklemore was. So uh, uh, Bob Hope, uh, one of the greatest comedians, did a lot of work with the USO and, and, and the troops, uh, hosted the Academy Awards Forever old hook nose, made a ton of on-the-road movies, and, uh, you know, maybe just watch one or two and then get back to me. But uh, thank you, everyone, for your questions, and thank you for listening to Island Ice, episode 158, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. And to find all of Newsday's Islanders content, please go to newsday.com backslash aisles. And also, you can find me on Twitter at Newsday. And speaking of Newsday, please, please, please check out Newsday TV, now streaming on Newsday.com. Until we speak next time, happy hockey, everybody.